Welcome, welcome to UVA Throws Podcast. For people who want to learn from successful student athletes, coaches, and professional throwers, and we bring you all this from their own perspective. Their experience and lessons will save you a lot of trouble. Today with us, we have Coach Mo Satara from UC Berkeley. Mo is a very experienced coach who directly coached and mentored several Olympians, All-Americans, NCAA champions, and he will share with us a little bit of his knowledge in this interview. Also, you'll be able to hear from Coach Satara about his coaching philosophy, recruiting requirements, and things he pays attention to when he's looking into potential student athletes. You want to take notes on this. If you are new to this podcast, please hit that subscribe button and enjoy our interview with Coach Mo Satara from UC Berkeley. All right, Mo Satara, welcome. How's it going? Doing great, thank you. Thanks, Martin, for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much for uh, being here, taking, taking your time. Now, Mo, we have a bunch of questions that people want to ask you. Obviously, sure. A very, very successful coach. You had thank you. NCAA champions, Olympians. You've been coaching for quite a while. You've been coaching a lot of coaches. We're talking about yeah, that's the kind of thing I found out the other day, thinking about it. A lot of the guys I coached became coaches too. So Yeah, so so you're young, but you're not that young, right? You've been in the game for a while. Yeah, I, it's funny. I, I was talking to somebody, and then they asked me, like, how many years have you coached? Because you haven't been around that. You, you've been around, but I don't know. And I started thinking, I started coaching in 96. 96? So almost, almost 25 years, yeah. Yeah, and was... I started coaching in a, uh, with my uh, junior college coach. Uh, he had a uh, like a throwing throw far. You know, he does. He's in Southern California. They do like the California high school championships, things like that. And he he just told me, he said, "Hey, you like? I, I really like coaching when I started. Like, I, I really enjoy coaching." And he said, "Hey, you want to do some of this? You know, try some of these guys." At the at the time, I was working in the research lab, and I was doing some research at the you know I went to Cal State LA, and I was doing some work in the lab there, and then. And I was looking at the medical field and stuff, but I really enjoyed coaching a lot. I had, I was really lucky. I had some really good kids. One kid ended up being state champion. Oh, wow, wow. One kid I coached, you were his teammate, I think, uh, uh, Ruben. Yeah. Ruben, uh, <laughs> you know, some other guys like that, Redis. Uh, they they were doing really good. And coach said, hey, you were pretty good at this, you know, so got lucky, you know, a little bit. Very good. How did you get into throwing in the first place? You know, it's kind of accidentally, like, we moved here in the, from, the, from Iran in 1983. You know, my dad had a, 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 some medical stuff, and then, you know, family decided to come over here. You know, that time it was a Iran-Iraq war and all that. We were kids, and the parents were like, you know, we should probably, you know, it was getting kind of crazy there. And then, uh, so we came here, and then uh, I was in, I think, uh, you know, high school or something. The coach said, hey, we, they had a PE class. Like, one of the things you had to do was track and field. So you had to do all the different things, you know, like running and some of this other stuff. And actually, I was kind of good in, in, in uh, like, shot put. Okay. And then started doing that and then got into college and junior college at first. I had no idea, by the way. It was funny. I had no idea there was different levels of college, like, junior, you know, NCAA yeah. Division One, Division Two. Yeah. I didn't know anything. So I went to junior college because I could afford to go to a main university. I was actually kind of a couple of good different places. But um, – at the time, we were like uh, different immigration status and stuff, so I had to pay a lot for school. So, so we decided like, okay, well, just go to junior college first year class. And I was lucky the junior college by my house, it's a Christian community college. It's, it's a really good school. So I said, okay, I go there, do my science stuff, and then after go to like another place. I had no idea. I said I got into throwing a little bit more, and then uh, 
I had a really good coach, Lloyd Higgins. He's a serious coach. He was really, he's a good man. He really helped me a lot. Okay. Uh, good coach, good, really good person. Taught me how to a lot about life and other stuff too. Coaching, you know, which is really big deal. You know, like just coaches. Coaching isn't just hey, do this, do that, something. You know, it's, you learn a lot about things. So he helped me a lot. And then, um, anyhow, so I, I was like, okay, well, I'm done because I was looking at the results for NCA Division One. I. I was like, there's no way. I, that's all I thought it was was just one NCA. I didn't know there was the. So uh, Don Babbitt. Actually, I remember we were in uh, Santa Barbara. The, the, the junior college uh, uh, thing was in Santa Barbara at the time. And so he coach comes over and says, hey, you know, I'm a coach at Cal State LA. Yeah. You want to you wanna come there? You know, I said, I don't even know Cal State LA. I, I knew it was a school by the freeway because I saw it a few times going to Los Angeles. Uh, anyhow, so I, I, I mean, I was like, yeah, but what is it? Like, I'm not throwing. He's like, no, you, you, if you were Division Two, you'd be like all American. I was like, what are you talking about? This is crazy. Division One, Two, whatever. I went to my parents and said, hey, this guy can give me quotes. You know, it sounds like a good guy. Yeah. Anyhow, so I just remembered a little bit about recruiting because when I was in high school, John Fraser actually recruited me. Okay. Wow. He called my house. He was at UC Irvine at the time. I think he just started coaching. To this day, my mom will call me and say, hey, how's Coach Fraser doing? Because he called our house like oh, wow. a thousand years ago. <laughs> and, he, and he was really nice to her. And my mom, you're still to this day, but I talked to you around when I called her. She says, hey, um, how's Coach Frazier doing? You know, and stuff like that. So, like, you know, it's kind of cool, like, how coaching in your life is together. Yeah. Anyhow, so I went to Cal State LA. It was a very good place. You know, Coach Babbitt was a really good coach. He's actually one of the best coaches in the world, you know. And uh, he taught a lot. I learned a lot about uh, observation, how to, how to, like, pay attention to what's going on in training and, you know, all the different parts of training and everything. And. Uh, he had a lot of great coach throwers. He was a young at the time. He's a lot of good coach throwers were coming yeah. to him to train. Yeah. I remember we won one Olympic trials, 1996. I had already graduated from college. I was getting more and more into the coaching thing, just learning, you know. And yeah. he had like, Olympics, yeah. like seven people getting ready for trials at the time at Cal State. It was really cool to, to see that, you know, how it works. And it got me really motivated. I think I watched this. I think I can probably do this. You know, I want to getting more into it and. Uh, you know, I study uh, my background. I, I got a degree in, a, uh, you know, uh, biology with the, uh, you know, uh, Cal State. It was, it was actually a good, good program, everything. And then, um, and then that's some family stuff. My dad passed away. Some of these things happened. And then I decided, you know, like I really want to do something I like to do because that, um, that was something big in my family. So if you want to do it, you got to be at a very high level. Yes typical you know Iranian <laughs> family okay fine you want to do something but you have to be at the top you know so so okay I can do it you know so I try started I I wouldn't particularly recommend getting into coaching the way I did because it's really hard now to do it like that because I started out as a volunteer coach at Cal Poly Pomona oh, wow. in yeah. 97 before that I was coaching the high school with my junior college coach because at that time coach Babbitt went to Georgia in 96 96. Anyhow, so then I started there, and then I had a coach there at Cal Poly. said, hey, you want to come and work with this university? We need a throwing coach. I said, okay, sure. I started there two years. We won the conference meet, actually. My, I had a couple of girls that – two of them were pole vaulters. We changed it to throwers. Okay. Anyhow, so then we went – I went to Cal CLA for a few years, then went to Northern Arizona, then Michigan, then came to Cal. Yeah. But the funny thing is with Cal, you guys, you guys, you and I mean, always tell me, you need to go to Cal. I remember in the, in the 2008 yeah. or seven or eight or something, you went to NAU and in indoor. Hey, you should go for Cal. Yeah, it took you 11 years. Yeah, I got that. <laughs> I didn't, I, but it was funny because I had connection to Cal throwers for 
before that, like you guys. Yeah, myself, even myself, I remember 2010, 9, 10, 11, especially 11, I remember calling you from Florida. Like, uh, I'm all, I'm stuck. I don't know how to improve my stand throw. What should we do? And you're like, okay, let's see what you got right now. Like, okay, technically, this is what you got to do. You got to throw this far. Let's aim for this. Yeah, uh, and, uh, yeah. It was. It took us. Um, it took you a couple couple years to get to Cal, but we were very happy to see you. There. Yeah, no, it was good. I'm happy too. It was a good place. It's very close to heart to Amin and me, yeah. and myself, right? Amin and myself, and it's really a shame that the, they they had to struggle some years, right? That some years were better than others. Yeah. Oh, you're doing some great things over there. Thanks. Yeah. Try to try to have a stable foundation. You know, it's, everything starts from a stable foundation. If, if you have a stable foundation, you have a good system. You know, training, recruiting, all that stuff goes together, right? So that's okay. kind of a, what I started first. I guess yeah. you needed, you know, the Cal needed some, definitely needed someone like you, right? With experience, yeah, yeah. didn't came there with no results. Obviously, has some incredible results, uh, and they, they didn't. Uh, uh, they, they, they took time to find a good coach. I'm, I'm very happy. To yeah, see I'm, here. I'm glad I'm here. I fit good to the program. I really like the school. I mean, it's a nice place and everything. So. It works nice, obviously, the university and all that stuff. And uh, I think the main thing I got there was, you know, they've had some amazing athletes there, you know, over the years. I mean, Olymp Olympians, national champion, discus, men, women, yeah. all sorts of stuff. I mean, if you go in the history of it, even the beginning, the first guy that was a NCAA champion for Cal was a hammer thrower. Oh, really? Was it? I didn't the picture even... is in the Hall of Fame, you know. <laughs> so so it's, it's a place that has strong tradition for oh, throws and yeah. so but it was always kind of in streaks you know a little bit a few guys here a few guys there so i look in the history and i said hey like when they were the, the best maggard was a coach and he had had a kind of a series of throws over the years like one after another and if you look at the main uh throwing programs that's how they're really good is they, they, they have a continuous like flow of athletes year after year right so one guy graduates another guy takes over another guy another guy you know like that mm -hmm. um so when I came, that was my idea, was to establish some kind of a sequence of athletes, like first group, second group, another group, after, 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 like recruiting, right? And like a school like Cal is hard because it's not just that you have to be a great athlete. You have to be a student and you have to be able to stand for yourself. That's the one thing about Cal is that uh, it's competitive, but they really push the students to be like self-reliant, you know? So it's not for everybody per se, but uh, if you find the right guys, the right girls that want to do that, then you can start kind of, so I, I, that's how I started, step by step. I, I, at first was learn, right? So I talked to all the alumni. How, how did you do this? How did you do that? What's good? What's bad? Whatever. I mean, everywhere has good and bad, right? So you have to learn all that stuff. And then uh, so I started looking at kids that fit into that kind of what we want to do. And then so I just started one. First group was already there when I got there from previous coach. Mm -hmm. And so I built on those guys. Next group was a little bit better. Next group was a little better. Hopefully this next group coming would be better even. So. I'm sure I'm scared. I'm scared to see what you're bringing. <laughs> well, I'm scared of you guys. Everybody, I, I think we're going good. I look, I look at the training results, everything in the, in the fall. Like, hey, this is going to be good. Then indoor starts like, oh, my God, we're behind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's kind of ramping up in the throws, I think. You know, I think uh, over the, like, say, like, my career just started from the starting to till now. Uh, I've noticed is that there's a lot more coaches that have information access to information it didn't used to be that much because a lot a lot of uh, people were kind of in in kind of s sections you know the information some coaches knew things some coaches by country or by region right yeah region schools something like that you know like you know there was there was some really big programs that you look up to back in the day like back in the 90s and 80s and it was like you know ucla i think was there some schools in the midwest a couple of them here and there they had some people and 
the main, I mean, SMUO was one of them. Um, so those ones where people ever looked at, like if you could beat somebody from UCLA or SMU, you were like, wow, this guy is a, you know, <laughs> awesome, man. That guy, you know, we, so that was kind of the standard. And, you know, you're down the street from that, them, you know, and then you, then you, okay, we have to fight at a high level. LA area the whole time. Yeah. So it was, it was uh, every week, you know, like you're fighting, you know, with, with results, recruiting, everything. You know, so you have to be in a kind of learn, learn to, 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 to survive in that environment. Also, like California, I mean, the history, we talked about this uh, a couple of times. I mean, back in the 80s, you know, 70s, 80s, that was the mecca of throwing for Discus, Shabu, Mac, Wilkins, John Powell, those guys, right? They were there in California. That was what was, what was happening, right? All the meets, the uh, records were broken over there. So the whole California coast has so much history and so much uh, information. Like you said, coaches who coach there, that they can coach other coaches or other coaches can see. And that's why you have so many great coaches like yourself coming from California. And now I think, and we talked about this as well, with internet, with information, right? Like now people have information and uh, materials like these, right? We, we try to share it because it helps our sport. It makes sports so much more exciting when you have records breaking, when you have five guys over 22 meters, right? It helps everybody, right? It's, it's trickles down to us. And I think that... You think that might be the reason why? I think a lot of it is that people are starting to get access, right? So if more people know how things are being done and stuff, it helps a lot. I think it goes in kind of waves, you know, like looking at it. So it's like I got lucky. I got to talk to a lot of people from around the world. So there's like waves of development, you know, like, like you know, in the, in the, like you were saying in the 70s and that people came to California, the floors came and they started experimenting a lot. You know, like try this, try that on Oldfield or Wilkins or someone. You know, all those trying different things, things kind of figured some stuff out. Yeah. It was very experimental. Then after there was a period of time where people were like, okay, we're gonna do what those guys did. So they kind of got a little bit of stagnation. Then again, another wave came. Like I think the in, with the internet and information, people started getting information. Like, hey, how come I need to do it like this or that or whatever? So they started kind of like this figuring things out. And then kind of now, I think we're in a period of time where people are being more uh kind of i guess looking at things differently yeah, yeah. more I, the ideas are more open yeah so they do that but i think in, in um well my experience in, in the u.s i think a lot of times throwing is driven by like very strong personalities you know like somebody like also comes and says like this is how you do it and everybody's like, okay i'll do it like that yeah or, you know when coach Vegas, someone like you know like the very famous college coaches like Vanegas, smith those guys are going to say like i do it like this but okay i'm going to do it like that I think the idea is you have to learn how they did it more so than what they did. Yeah. There's a, you have a methodology. I think learning the methodology is more important than exactly what they did because, you know, I've talked to even like Dr. Bonachuk or someone like that. You're talking like, hey, you should, this is how you should do things. Yeah. And the question is, well, what did you do when those guys were throwing the world records? Like, that's what I want to know. I don't <laughs> you know, I want to know what those guys are doing. But then he's, they, or even like with a lot of guys, the shop putters and other people, you start thinking, like, well, how do they do it? Is, is probably more a more important question yeah. than what happened because a lot of things will happen. A lot of it is also driven by the athletes. So if you have a great athlete has a lot of yeah. abilities and potential, they're going to do some crazy stuff. So it's like, do you have to do this it's crazy? Regardless of how bad or good the program is, right? If they're stud athletes, they're going to do some incredible things. Now the, the question yeah. is, how far could have down could they have thrown if they throw different ways, right? Yeah, that's the thing that kind of gets the like the I think to me is. Uh, um, a big, uh, a big uh, factor is watching is, is what's the methodology? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So like, how did you go? Like, yeah. What do you mean by methodology? Like, so like 
every every like if you this kind of goes outside of throwing, so it's a little bit complicated. So it, it, anything you do, you know, like you you want to like you want to I don't know you want to clean your house or you want to build a car or I don't know whatever you want to do. Everything has a system a method. I you know step one, step two, step three, step five, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, right. So even coaching has a method too, right? So like when you're coaching somebody in the in the throwing events, say. Yeah. Shot with discus, whatever, hammer, javelin. There's a method. How, what what are your what is the sequence of activities you do to coach that person to do what it is they're gonna do? So that kind of sets up the, the that sets up your overall organizational approach, right? So yeah. if you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So so this is very important because if you have a some and there's not a wrong system, people are throwing far from all over the world, you know. Right. Okay. You know, always saying like, you know, the Soviet did this or Americans did that or somebody else did something else. And it's like, if you look at all those guys, what they did, now they might be completely different. Somebody used more weight room, somebody used more throwing, somebody used whatever. It's it's not like, it's not, so those things come out later, but in, initially, if you look at the organization, how they put everything together, that gives you an idea about the procedures they went through to get to where they got to. Okay, so put together like a plan for like four years or like what they need to do. How did they do that? Not so much the plan itself, because that's the outcome, right? Yeah. When I put a training plan together that I put it on paper, four year plan, three year plan. Most of the kids that for me that come to training, we have four or five year plan. Yeah. And if they're really good, you're gonna go eight year plan. Okay, something like that, for example. But how did I come up with that plan? That's the question. Yeah. How did I get to that plan? Because people people always look at that like how did you, well, what do you do for your training? It's always a question. Somebody asked me, what do you, what do you guys do? Okay, I do this, I do this, I do something else. I do like who? lifting. Right, for who? Yeah. yeah, like, but how do I come up with the decisions? That's probably more important. Why did you, why did you come up with that? That should be more of a question. Why? You know, so, so that's, that's the first step. Why do they do what they do? That gives you a lot of answers, yeah. you know? Yeah. You know so what I mean? So like. The, the change in. This is, I mean, we talked about you the other day, right? And he wanted to ask you this because uh, he thinks it's very important to know for, for uh, kids to know about your your development, right? So sure. uh, your evolution of programming and technique since you were at Cal State, you know, guys like uh, Tambi and Tyrus, right? And then NAU with Jeremy and Javier, right? And then you had uh-huh. Cody Rifle, right? Uh, yeah. At uh, Michigan and uh, those guys and now with Simon McKay and Josh. How you had some incredible throws, right? How did that? How did your understanding change on your programming? So, so, so this- I think uh, understanding changed about technique first. Okay. So my understanding of technique changed a lot over the years. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, in the beginning, that's not beginning. Some continuation. Of my my understanding of the technique is what my coaches understood about. So I learned from them. I read information. I studied whatever. Yeah. So in the be- when I started, the idea was very much like. The, be in certain positions, right? Mm-hmm. And it started changing more toward movement, like rhythm, movement. And then yeah. I guess that's where it started from. And initially it was like, you know, you gotta get, you have to be in this position, you have to be in this position, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. that kind of thing. Hitting positions, like technical, like that kind of thing, like videoing a lot, freeze frames, slow motion, all that kind of stuff. Looking at the relationship of different exercises, I started from very, because I just thought about it, like, you know, observation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I started observing, like, if I gave you a workout, what would happen from that workout? If I give two workouts, three workouts, 10 workouts, et cetera. I didn't really 
Which one? At that time, I hadn't been exposed to a lot of the information. I was looking at it more from like, I was coming from a science background, right? So I wasn't looking at it per se in a, in a, in a pedagogy or that, that information was hard to get by at that time, like in the ni- late, mid, in 90s. There was some of that, but it was very specific to like motor skills and that kind of thing, which obviously sport is motor skills, but anyways, that's another story. But so I just, in the beginning, my coaching idea was a very technical, like position oriented type stuff. Mm-hmm. Then I get a better understanding of biomechanics and what biomechanics is, because that's one thing that people understand, have to know. Biomechanics is just a descriptive science. Like this guy did this, his leg bent this many degrees and extended this much. You don't know why he did it. You just see what happens. Yeah. yeah. So this is kind of very crude, rudimentary method of uh, understanding. And as the years went on, I went more toward like procedures. What, what, are, you, what are you trying to do? You know, and that's the one question I remember in the beginning. My some of my good athletes asked me, "Why? Why are we doing this?" Yeah, yeah. and I asked them, "Why are you doing it?" <laughs> you know, something like that. You know, like so. Be, it went from how to why, basically. Right. So now I'm more interested in like procedures. What are you trying to do more to do, implement? Because I begin learning understanding of the nervous system and how it works. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people have a lot of uh, misconceptions about nervous system. What What is the nervous system? How it works, and that kind of thing. I mean, obviously, it's kind of a really specific question for neuroscience and that that's its own thing right it's important to know but i don't know it's very important. you know so so it's like well we, we we understand the more you understand how people like just basically work the better coach you become because if you understand usually we're working on outcome yeah, yeah. you know when you want to tie your shoelace you're not thinking about loop your finger maybe even you're two years old you do it but after you look like the big picture yeah right yeah you gotta understand what's the outcome so your body was working is set up to give you outcome okay go to the door open this hit that do something so if you teach outcomes okay i want you to make this happen yeah they're gonna do the right things to make it happen so it's it the the coaching has evolved in that manner Mm -hmm. where whereas i let the athletes have much more freedom Mm -hmm. in terms of like how they're gonna do something I just want to see what comes out. Like yeah. I need to see, for example, shot putter, right? Yeah. If you watch shot put in the rotational shot, the important is you have to have double support time on the ground. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so if you don't have basic, right? Some things you cannot go around with, right? Yeah. yeah. That's the one. If you, if you have good double support time, you're going to throw far. It doesn't matter. You know, if you look at the, uh, what's it called? If you look at um, uh this last summer, the world championships, right? The guys threw like 2290. Incredible throwing, you know? So it's like, well, those guys are throwing so far. It's crazy, you know? Like three guys in the same meet. I can imagine that. That's, and the other guys, it's not like the other guys are throwing crappy. They were throwing 2150. It took 2150 to get eighth. Yeah. To get 2150, you could win medals like almost the whole history. So obviously, they're super talented. But if you watch it, what they're doing, Okay, and how they're doing it, there's a kind of, they all have different technique, you know, Walsh, Krauser, uh, Kovacs, all the other guys. They all have own technique kind of. I think they just come up with this, and they have different coaches and different this and that and all kind of stuff, right? But if you watch them over, like, if you watch them, you can see there's some commonalities. Yeah. So I can take one thing from somebody and say, okay, this is the way he does it, this is the right way. But the better idea is, what did all those guys have in common? That That's probably more useful in general, then you can find your own kind of stylistic variations within that. Yeah. So that's that's how I, I guess my coaching has become more like that. Oh, yeah. More more in terms of like, what's the procedures and what are the main things that we have to do and just okay, how you do it? You know, somebody's six five, somebody's six two. Yeah. 
I don't know. The, the, the personality too is important. Personality. Some some throwers that learn this over time. Some somebody's very aggressive, you know. Um, uh, like if you're a very aggressive person, I I, I in competition. I, okay, calm down, calm down. It's just completely against the person's yeah chemistry. You know, like they're gonna be aggressive. You should. That's it. That's the tool Let for them. Let them be them, right? Let them be them. Yeah, yeah. That's very important. So I think a lot of times if you start getting too um, technical or something like that, and, and it takes away that athletic part of them doing it, not the coach. You know, the would coach you agree, is just. Yeah. Yeah. So would you agree that throwing is more of a uh, and, and planning of programs is more of an art than science? Well, it's or is it both? Right. I think it's. I think. That the reality is, it's 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 a lot more of an art form than a science, because if you're talking about science, we're talking about something that we can prove in a very very hard manner, yeah. observation. But there's methods that we can use from scientific approaches. One thing that I, I I like see a lot of is like this is a scientific research study or so. What does scientific even mean? What's that word? The meaning yeah. of it, right? Um, it means we're doing observations. And this is what science is. This is I think this is going to happen. Something's going to happen. This is until you prove it wrong, right? Right. And then I go do, I observe, and then the observation will tell me, okay, well, did we see this happen or not? You know, like, then you can do some sort of statistical modeling to say, okay, well, we did this validation of what we saw was actually what we saw. You know what I mean? And then it gets into statistics and all that other stuff. But mainly when somebody tells me something is scientific, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit, like, take a step back because – well, how many people did you have? You know, most of the coaches, even if you coached 50 years, you're maybe, Sam, maybe going to... What's talent that you have, right? What kind of yeah. talent you're talking about? Oh, even, I mean, talent level, number of people, you know what I mean? These kind of things is going to be limited a lot. So a lot of things that we see as coaches are are anecdotal evidence trends. You know, I saw five, I had five, co five throwers. Yes. I saw a trend. Hmm. Okay, okay, maybe it's my trend. Yeah. Somebody else is something else. You know what I mean? So it, it's, it's, you have to make, you have to use observation a lot. So when you set up and setting up training, you have to pay attention. So like well, I did one thing. I used to talk with Don a lot about testing. I did testing 10 years. Thunderhead, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, throwing, lifting, this, that, uh, three jumps, five jumps, all kind of stuff. I did it for years and years and years. And then I started looking at the, 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 the lifting and sh the shot putters, right? And uh, over the years, you know, and I had the guys at Cal CLA, guys at NAU. This was when I was at, uh, yeah, it was the last years of at NAU. I just kind of started doing something, like, see what I would have done. And uh, I started coming up with some kind of conclusions. Mm -hmm. They didn't, they didn't fit well with what I had learned. Okay. okay. You know, like one conclusion was Olympic lift wasn't very uh, connected to how far you throw on the shot put. Wasn't quite all right, right, for the distance. Okay. Okay. But, um, How about overhead? push jerk, bench press, squat was very good. That, that, that was crazy because I talked to Amir about it. He's like, no, that's, that's nonsense. That can't be. I'm like, hey, I'm telling you, man, this is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were in like kind of a state of uh, upheaval. And, and I started looking into Dr. Bonachuk stuff because I read, read some stuff about it. And, and some of the stuff that they were doing, these kind of correlation studies and stuff like that, I got a, some of that info and I started looking into some of that stuff and it was like, whoa, and kind of saw some kind of patterns that they had seen. They had a lot more athletes than I did. Yeah. So I kind of said, well, I see the same thing this guy had like used 30 years ago. 
bigger population to see it. I use a really small population instead of the same thing. So, and I did some other stuff for other event groups, just checking it out and seeing what works, how the training works. So I came up with some ideas about things, how, how things may work. And I, and I, and I, you know, experiment with my athletes. As coaches, you say, oh, you experiment with your athletes. That's horrible. But no. that's what we do anyways. Every time you tell somebody to do something, it's an experiment. It's not, it's not an experiment that you're not, not, you don't know what, you, what you're doing. It's more of an experiment yeah. to see what works for that person, right? Yeah. As you talk, as you talk now, there's so yeah. many different things that work for different people, and you have to find that, more, that, that there's no more that fits all, right? Yeah, no, that's not, it's not. And that's the thing that a lot of people, I think, that you were asking about, whether it's a science or whether it's a, uh, art, I think what people want to say by science, they want to say is, is it a standardized approach? Yes. Right? I want a standard. I want a standard approach. Everybody else. A, B, C, D, E, F, put it there, put it in a microwave, open it and eat it. That's what people want. That's what they think is science. It's not science per se, you know. Tell me what I need to do. Yeah. Step one, step two, step three, follow. It's like buying a furniture from Ikea. You know, you, you go in there, you look in it, and then you're, you're like, okay, put the screw here, put the plate there. That I wish it was to make life easier. Yeah. You know? For everybody. Now, I, do you think because there's so many things that affect a thrower? So if you look at the person, you don't look at the person as a car, right? There's like these these parts you put this fuel maximum is you know 200 miles an hour but for the person you got to look at uh height uh, strength you see more endurance you see more uh, explosive sleep uh, food social life uh, uh, technical how, how he can uh, or she can adopt a technique right so this you got this not one formula you got all these thousands of information that you are trying to put together right yeah i mean you gotta you gotta look at the you gotta look at Pretty much, I mean, you can't you can't look at all that, obviously. But they're they're there. They're factors that are going to affect you, right? They're obviously, those are things that you have to consider. But you got to look at it in terms of every place has its own setup, chemistry. Okay. You know, its own like you can. There's certain things you can do somewhere. Mm -hmm. There's certain things you can't do there, whether it's training or recovery or yeah. whatever. You know, training. You know, if I have a weight room that doesn't have a squat rack, what do I do? Yeah. What do you do? Okay, then? but but some so I can build a squad rack. Maybe I can't. I don't know. You know, I'm just saying. Like so, each place has its own positives mm -hmm. and negative influence. So athlete, you know, if they don't do a good job of resting, for example, the training is going to go down. So I can't train as hard. So the training volume goes down. Like workload intensity, everything goes down. Right. Then they say, "Oh, come again, give us more training." It's, well, you're not resting enough. You're not, yeah, you're not fresh, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you have to increase your rest and then we can do more work. You can recover, you know, that's the other thing too. Like, so the main factors usually will come in in, in kind of a bulk situation, you know, like schoolwork, yeah. training load, this stuff, things like, for example, you go to a university like University of California or Virginia, somewhere, academic school, this, everyone says, oh, you can't train as hard. Yeah, you can train hard. You can train very hard, yeah. but you can't do extra stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. maybe I don't warm up for an hour and a half. Maybe I only warm up 10 minutes. You got to decide what's more important. Maybe, maybe we need to spread out the training over a longer period of time or something like that. Maybe we need to plan in like, okay, this week you're going to have a test or something. Maybe this week we go a little bit down mm -hmm. or something like that. You know? So, so it's not that impossible, but I think a lot of times paying attention to the environment gives you a lot of kind of in, initial instant, in, instant clues as to what you can and can't do and a continuous feedback. 
Mm-hmm. And and I think another really important part is that coaches have to be very uh, flexible, open-minded. You know, I use this kind of idea with uh, my throwers. They talk about kendo, which is about fighting sort. You know, they divided up the thing, whole thing after the yeah. Japanese society changed. They divided up all the martial arts and stuff. Anyway, so kendo is for fighting with a sword. And then part of it is understanding how this katana is built. You know, so... If you look at a katana, it has two characteristics. The main, the body is very springy and -hmm. flexible, but the edge of it is very, very sharp. Mm -hmm. But philosophically, the idea should be that you have to be flexible, but don't break. You know, you have your principal ideas, but you have to be flexible to change. Okay. Okay. You change, right? Things, situation changes. You have to have different ideas to change. I think a lot of times with coaching, that's very important. Um, Changing, because demographic changes athletes change training results change all that stuff right yeah so that, that's it's, very, it's, it's very individual i think a lot of coaches and this is going to be my question following question for you sure. but I think most coaches get into this success kind of uh trap right like we talked about you, you had a little group five you know not you yourself uh, a coach that had like five guys that did well and they're like okay this is it this is only what i'm doing because it's working so they fall into the trap. Um, so what would you what would you advise to your younger self or or what would be your advice for young coaches? I would say pay attention. Mm. Pay attention. You know, the the most of the answers you're looking for are in front of your face. Okay, pay attention to what's going on. Not what you wanna go on, what you want to be going on, like I want this to happen or I want that to happen or whatever. Pay attention to what is actually going on. Are the, what's going on in training? What's going on in technique? Are the things that you're teaching going through, getting through to the athletes? Or are you getting the results you want from the training? Pay attention a lot. Keep track of what, keep track of things as they work at the time and also as time goes on. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times what we'll do is we're like, we'll do something real nice and it works nice. And then you go back and you, and you, and you look at like, man, that was garbage. I, yeah. It looked good at the time, but you know, you look back six months later, you're like, oh boy, that wasn't. That looked good, but man, I probably shouldn't have done that. And and being able to kind of take criticism or just kind of being able to, uh, I like my 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 conversation with my athletes is always like, I want to hear things that you don't like to tell me, like mm-hmm. this isn't good, this isn't working, something like that. Those are the important things. If you always tell me everything's fine, thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. It's kind of like. Polyanic, you know, like, oh, everything's always fine. It's not, that's, I mean, it'd be great if it was, but reality is some of the things are going to be good. Some mm. of the things are going to be bad. Some of the things are going to be absolutely don't ever do them again. Some things are like, wow, we need to always do that. Yeah. So it sort of spreads out. So I think my, my thing is always like, if something works, that's mm. good, continue, use it. If something doesn't work, don't, don't do that. You know, a lot of times uh, I see like talking to really good athletes, it's like, you know, they'll tell you, like, I was really good at this or I was really good at that when I was throwing. You know, I was really good at something. They weren't, you know, yeah, okay, at, at your very best, what were you good at? They're like, I was good at this and this. Like, one or two things. Usually one or two things. And like, oh, about or something, right? And it's like, you know, if you, a lot of people will be like, well, I want to have a balanced, spread out athlete. It's, it's, uh, that's actually an idea that came from the early, late 19, early 20th century athlete, you know, the ideal athlete is a balanced athlete that like can do everything the right <laughs> the they, they can jump and run and pull-ups and dips and run a mile and all this other stuff 
which is yes if you're if you're right. football, a high school kid something like that that's absolutely perfect but if they only care how far you throw a shot put or how far you throw a hammer yeah. that's all that matters yeah. they don't care if you're balanced or unbalanced or whatever you are they only the only thing they're only caring is can you that's what you're competing in yeah. i think a lot of people take this mindset in, in, in the strength training happens a lot. Oh, you need to have a balance, this and that. There is a, there's like anatomical balance, physiological balance, so you don't get injured, obviously. Yeah. You know, work capacity, muscle balance, those things. That's something else. But I don't care how many pull-ups my thrower does. Yeah. I care how far they throw in a hammer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? I don't, I don't think Christian Cantwell could high jump really, really uh, high, right? Somebody like Christian Cantwell. But he can yeah. bet and throw a shot really far, right? Yeah, they, he was famous for shot putting. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that, that those are the things I'm more interested in. You know, like that's what I would say. Don't worry about so much the little things. Get a good idea, stick to it, see what happens. How do you find? How do you uh, track your athletes if they are overburned, if they're a little tired? How do you? How can you tell it? How do you adjust that workout? What are some things that you look for? So what I do is usually when we go to uh, when we go to training, it starts the. What I what I usually do is uh, I'll talk to everybody before they come to practice before we start. Before we're throwing. Hey, how are you feeling today? Some some five two minutes. How are you doing? Yeah. Um, that's that's a simple easy way. You know, hey, I feel good. I feel like crap. You know, like something like that. Sometimes they're like, I don't know how I feel. Yeah. I get that from uh, some of the guys a lot. Like I I don't know how I feel. They go they muscle through the workout and it's afterwards like, man, that was not a smart idea. I should have backed off. Um, so what I do is I just ask simple questions and I, and I, I pay attention to what's going on with the throws, you know, mm -hmm. uh, in terms of like the shot and disc, right. I, I would imagine a bit of a javelin too. Is I, I, if I see the stand throw, mm -hmm. right. That gives you a lot of answers. The okay. stand throw is really, especially shot, put almost direct correlation to power output. Mm -hmm. It has technique. It, it has a lot of components, but if you're, proficient at it you can tell from the the level of stand throw are they having are they there or not yeah. you know if i have a shot 20 meter shot for this kind of stand throw is usually like around 17 and he's throwing like 15 meters stand throw okay something's not exactly correct oh, something happening that he's not telling me right yeah so maybe they, maybe he doesn't even feel it you yeah. know it happens to someone like, i feel great but then it's like wow I'm, maybe i don't feel great but maybe i do i don't know you know what i mean um, sometimes you pay attention to the different relationship of different implements. If you throw in multiple implements, you know, light hammer, heavy mm -hmm. hammer, medium hammer, whatever, heavy, etc. Uh, okay, uh, you know, like say with Cameron, we do heavy, heavy training. You know, she she can do heavy training forever. There's no problem. But if I look at the different weights, you know, if I'm if I have a eight kilogram, six kilogram, four kilogram, three kilogram, or something like that, it's a recent program. If the strength, if the if she's tired, nervous system is tired, like three, four, three kilo, four kilo, three kilo is going down. Okay. Right. The distance goes down. Like okay, well you're tired, mm -hmm. but you know the heavy ones isn't changing. Maybe even it, they even go up a little bit, sometimes because yeah. now they're gonna you have a chance to work harder at a lower speed so you can do more work. Mm -hmm. But paying attention to those relationships it tells you a lot. And then obviously in the weight room. You know, the weight room, I think a lot of people get too enamored with this programming of the weight room. I think I would wager to say probably a majority of throwing coaches will design the weight room and they design the throwing around the weight room. Okay, okay. okay. Right? They're going to say, I'm going to do a three-week three training plan. 
Okay, and week one we have intensity this. Next next week in the second intensity. Next week third intensity. The fourth week down. Right? They watch a video from uh, uh, Werner Gunther. Yeah. Right? And, oh, you know the extensive intensive. Okay. All that stuff. Right. <laughs> you know, but the thing is, they they didn't talk to the coach. Yeah. Because the part is not in the video is the training for the throws and how they did that. Because for the throwing coach has to design the throwing first, and the other components goes with that part of training. Mm-hmm. Most people will will train the design the lifting, and then they put the throwing with it. So mm-hmm. then the question is, are you a lifting coach or throwing coach? Yes. What's your event? Is it lifting or, or is it throwing? Right. Um, Because this is a problem with a lot of coaches. They 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 look in the weight room too much. You know. Um, which is important. Weight room is very important. Don't get me wrong. You know, like I've never coached somebody that was good thrower that wasn't strong. Okay. So, but if you're looking in the weight room, you're not looking in a circle. If you look in a circle, then obviously weight room, then you can see things, you know, usually if the explosive is power is down, the explosive lift goes down, right? Strength lifts don't really change too much. You can kind of keep going up. But if you're, if you're trying to hit percentages instead of what the work capacity is, work, You can look at bar speed, those kind of things. Obviously, you have devices and equipment, and you can do all this stuff nowadays. But really, look at the quality of movement. You can tell what's going on. If quality of movement is going down, they're tired. Oh, wow. Usually, a few days before they really hit the wall, because they don't initially they don't feel it. They're gonna be oh, I'm okay, and then two days later, oh my god, and then then it couldn't be injuries yeah. too, right? Yeah. That it happened too long, you're gonna get injured. You know, so, so you have to pay attention to what's going on. You see patterns. So along those lines, in your, in your parents, how do you, like somebody like Cameron, right? Like she comes and wins NCAAs, right time. She throws really far at the right time, right? How do you peak your athletes like that? Or do you peak them differently? Somebody like Cameron or somebody like Michaela? Yeah, so you learn, you learn, you learn, uh, you learn lessons. <laughs> this is a problem. It sucks. <laughs> you have to learn your lessons. I started this kind of idea for a long time. It was kind of my pet project. Obviously, it's a very important project. It's not a pet project, but how peaking, what is it? Or how is it or whatever? So I started, first I had some good athletes. They were getting ready. Sometimes they would be ready at the right time. Sometimes they'll miss it by a day or two. Like with Peter, day, day after NCAA as a senior, he threw a 2090 training. Oof. Next day, one day, 24 hours. What happened? 24 hours. What? Yeah. What did it happen? Yeah. Timing. Like was he was he tired? What happened? No. It just you have to pay attention. Like I, 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 what I, what my answer is watching that. For example, different different people. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's a sequence. There's a sequence of events that goes on, right? A, B, C, D, whatever. Like sequence. And there's a sequence in a week where you 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 get adapted to the sequence, the flow of move, flow of training. Hard day, easy day, rest day, another day, something else, something else. Yeah. This is kind of biorhythm. It's not exactly the right word for it, but it's like a almost like a circadian type of a situation, long-term pattern of, of uh, adaptation. Okay, okay. That you you, uh, you train long enough, you get it. You know, over time. You can even hear from the old athletes, retired athletes. I, you know, in, in the spring, I feel really good all the time, man. I don't, I'm not training anymore. I feel so good. Then fall. Oh, I still don't feel so good. I'm tired. You know, you know, you. you It's, 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 I think you're, you adapt long-term. And mm-hmm. even athletes, if you look at the training days, there are certain training days after a sequence of previous training, they're mm-hmm. going to have a good day. Mm-hmm. Just they're kind of like a peak day. So if yeah. you know which peak day it is, and then you can also see how, many, how much training do I have to do before to get to this situation. I mean, you're coaching them all the time, so you should be able to keep track of this stuff, right? It's not some kind of like, you know, 
not, magic. It's not if you pay attention to it, right? It's not yeah, me. if you pay attention, you know, okay, if, if this guy goes day one, day two, day three, okay, day three, he's the best. So mm -hmm. if I go to a competition, mm -hmm. I adjust things that day three is my competition day. Mm -hmm. Whatever that is, you know? So that's the that's what I did with them, you know. I, and and also the other part is like the mental preparation. Like athletes, you know, I was talking about earlier a little bit your personality. So with Cameron, like we learned a lot about her personality. Like for forever, she was throwing hammer a long time at home with her coaches. Coach Collier was the original coach, and Garrett Collier, the son, he coached her, and then she came to me. And uh, you know, the standard of hammer throwing: be calm, be collected, be relaxed. You have to be relaxed. You have to be very relaxed, extra relaxed. Yeah. Almost dead, <laughs> like you know, this kind of thing, you know, like so that 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 that's how she threw. Like, okay, coach, I, if I'm relaxed, and then so so I, I made some notations her freshman year. And I said, hey, when you went to Pan Am Junior, you won the Pan Am. What was happening? She's like, I was very nervous. I was really scared. I was gonna mess up because my coach wasn't there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I said, oh, well, you won. She's like, I know. I don't know how I won, but I won through PR, <laughs> national record. Worth then for freshman year we did it, we, we went to competitions and I, this is kind of burned into my memory so it's kind of like my one of my favorite stories not to say yeah so our freshman year um we went to a competition in arizona state so the day before competition i saw the star sheet by the way you know i i study everything when you do competition who's there what do they do what's the best throw what round etc so i told her hey listen maggie owen's gonna throw tomorrow and she I mean, she went crazy, like, oh, my God, Maggie. And, and she, the pre-meet was supposed to be easy. She threw really far, like, oh, wow. And then that day she threw PR. I put in my notes, over-stimulated PR, uh, right? Uh, there you go. Right? So, so I, okay, I put it there, went to another competition, did a little bit down, but training was going up, 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 right? Yeah. This is a story more psychological. Yeah. And, and I was like, okay, now she's going to throw 66, 67, something like that. She was, like, number one in the world, all the stuff, junior and all that stuff, right? <laughs> So we go to another competition, another competition, nothing, nothing. And then we have a competition in Berkeley. It's, it's our, kind of like a test competition where mm -hmm. I, I make them train, throw in heavy training load. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're training really hard and they go to competition. because it's a week before comp. Mm -hmm. uh, that tells me what is actually what you can do because training result and competition is a lot different. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we go there and then uh, Sophie Hitchinson came to Tor Gustafsson, my friend. He, he said, hey, I want to bring Sophie competition before she goes to Britain. I said, oh, okay, sure, bring her. It's going to be fun. We have... So I told Cameron, hey, Cameron, again, Sophie's coming. Said, oh, my God, Sophie. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, crazy. Crazy. <laughs> you know, like, and Sophie broke the stadium record. She's like 70 PR, 72 something. It was a very good meet for her. And Cameron broke, pretty, uh, broke the uh, Canadian junior record. Again, I put in my notes. PR uh, overstimulated. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, went to went to conference. She got in third place. Was not happy about it, but we had problem with the warm up, everything. But the same, you know, went back to the same style. You know, relax, calm, be calm, be calm. Blah blah. blah. Went to went to regionals. Uh, NCAA regional competition. So she, I know she can do like 63, 64, no problem, and qualify. Mm -hmm. So this is a, this is the part stuck in my head. She was in the line warming up, and I said, "How are you doing?" She said, "Oh, I'm just trying to be really relaxed and just get warmed up." Be relaxed. And you're like, no. No, wait, no, no, no. I didn't notice that at the time. It's okay, yeah. Good. Oh, okay, so yeah she, didn't, she, wasn't, she was in 13th place by one centimeter. Uh, 61, that was the worst, worst result. And I just go home like, it was completely impossible. Because all the other guys made it. The hammer thrower, Silvio made it. Yeah. Peter made it. McKay made it. Everyone 
made it. It was very good. They, even even the the other Josh who was a, still coming up. He he would um he was PR everything nice. Even the guy football player PR everything. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. What did I do wrong? You know, going back home. I go back home and now I'll be getting ready for World Twenty because can't stop the season now because she was very. You know, I got okay, keep going. She's a very tough tough girl. She'll fight through everything. Okay. So I go home. I take my notes. I start reading. I start reading, I start reading. Oh, every time I put down over simulated PR and then regular, no PR. I was like, hey, you're not a very smart person, are you, Mo? Because the answer was right there in the paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I told my wife, she's like, what are you doing? Like, don't you pay well, attention? It's obvious sometimes we're missing, right? Like, it's, it's, yeah, it's just, it's, yeah. it's so, so after that, I said, okay, we went to Worlds and then, you know, I was at NCAs and stuff and she a little bit, her, she rolled her ankle. She uh, she went to, to she went to to Finland and then messed up an entry hurt her stomach and then people don't many people don't know about that she was injured had to be they they almost took her from the meet yeah. you know so I told her, I said look here's the deal this is what I need you to do I want you to go crazy because if you don't win it's gonna be terrible you spend so much energy etc all these things yeah. and she went I said probably this competition first round everything is settled in the first round. Because of the competitors and everything, so she goes there. I said, I, I'm like, look, go there. If you don't come out, you know, to the death, yeah, just go. Yeah. So I mean, if you know me from competitions, I get pretty fired up. So she went to the competition and exactly executed exactly. But that I, I learned from that psychological for her was you have to be very, 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 very fired up, more extra. More stimulated for her. It worked. Yeah. Yeah. I have other athletes. You know, I have another guy's discus thrower. He I don't talk to him. He's mm -hmm. calm. It's almost like he's sleeping. Uh, Josh Shotputter, he's very calm. Very, always very calm. Hey, it's okay. Everything's fine. Great job. Take it easy. You know, I got another, McKay's very, he goes crazy. So that's him, you know. But I like them to do what they're going to do. That's how I, I learned this lesson, a very hard lesson. And so it goes to, to peaking. It's, it's not just physical. Because physical peaking is easy. Yeah. A little bit less, a little bit resting, whatever, and then you're good to go. But psychological peaking is also another factor to consider. And and that's that's where you get those big throws, right? That, that's when you get PRs when you're mentally and physically uh, at at the peak, right? Right. Yeah. And it, it's also it comes from stability too. You know, I know uh, there's one thing. Always, uh, I remember you had Philippe, right? Big guy. Yeah. It, yeah. I always he's always, I told you guys I'm like that guy is dangerous because he can always throw this, like 20, 50, 20, 70. He can always throw this stupid distance like a machine. You know what I mean? And I'm like that guy is dangerous because. He can his his average performance is very high, yeah. So if your average performance is very high or is kind of coming up, you're gonna be able to throw really far. The PR isn't such a good indicator because you know you have a good day, you catch one or you know you get the you go to San Diego, you hang the discus out that right sector and this is forever, right? <laughs> you know, hey man, my PR is like you know whatever. But the the yeah. stand average performance, yeah. average performance, it's not very sexy, it's not very exciting, it's kind of miserable. Yeah, yeah. Nobody hit the same distance 50, yes, 50 times or whatever. <laughs> if your stable performance stability goes up, that means you're ready for a jump somewhere. So in high school athletes, do you look for that when, you, when you're recruiting? So what when I recruit people than some in different schools, right? Yeah. I, well, first of all, the first thing we look at is academics. That's that usually, <laughs> you know, that's number obviously, but uh, you have to be, you know, that, that, that's a very serious part of it. But what I look at is how well are they doing in major competitions? Mm, That's yeah. what I'm interested in. 
you know, guys, a lot of people, oh, I PR, like, I threw the hammer, you know, X, this one, this one, this, whatever. How did you do in the major championship? Did you, were you in the qualifying round? Did you go up in the qualifying round? For example, maybe it's an international athlete or American kid. Did you go to, you know, New Balance or state championship? How did you do in your, in your state meet? You know, like, guys, oh, you know, coach, my PR is like 205 or something, whatever. Okay, that's great. Congrats. But what did you do in the state meet? Yeah. Oh, 172. So that's your period. Kind of, <laughs> you have to be, you know, competitive. Like you have to, yeah, I, I want to see that they, they, they like to fight. They like to compete. You know, they like to, that's the kind of personality I'm looking for. You know? So uh, I look at the result from championships a lot. Um, stability, obviously, is very important. You know, I don't like this. Zigzag, you know, up, down, up, down, up, down like that. I don't, I don't like that. That's dangerous, I think. Uh, how much coaching do they get? Some kids, they always, that's the one thing you always feel like saying, coach, I don't have a coach, but, oh, you threw 65 feet. Ah, I don't have a coach. Like, I don't care if I have a coach, you threw far. You know, it, it, you know, and then the other one, another kid, oh, I have a coach, a nutritionist, a strength trainer, a, da -da -da -da, a publicist, a something else. Mm. You know, and now it's kind of like, I don't know. I mean, you don't have that at Cal. You have a coaching and support <laughs> staff, that's it. You have to be able to fight. Now you don't have all these other people. Then, you know, maybe, maybe that's too much reliance. I want to see what they can do on the, the on person. You know? The pre but the pressure is up. What what they're made of, right? Yeah. Mm. When you go to championship, there's no coach. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's you no coach, there. like looking like you're, uh, big championships. You're not gonna say like, well, you know, lift your hand a little bit like this. Maybe a couple of things, but but overall, it's like, what are you made of, right? Mainly, yeah, it's just mainly st strategy at that point, tactics. Like, oh, like you know what. You were talking about the championships last year. We, we technical conversation was very simple. Scoot to the scoot over to the left. Okay. That was it. <laughs> that was it. That was it. No. Scoot over to the left so the ball doesn't go out the right sector. Okay. She did. You know, she kept the orbit. She got the orbit in the right place. And okay, good. Now you go there and it goes. You know, and mainly it was just like, hey, this girl did this. This girl did this. Because you know, when you're in your zone, you don't pay attention. You have to pay. Sometimes those kind of meet like that, where it's fighting so much is really strong. I mean, they were coming. That was amazing competition, by the way. Like the women's hammer was incredible. Well, it took it so many PRs. What about What's that? To be top nine? What was the ninth place? Was it 67 high. Yeah. That one. That one. Not so many. Uh, so many. Every years. like almost you can win it almost every one of them for like many years. You know, like uh, yeah, it's t it's tactical. So you have to understand that tactical aspect too in the competition, right? What do I need to do to beat somebody? It's not necessarily obviously the guy that throws further wins, but. Joe Kovacs did it right at the last round. Boom! And, and, and he forced the other guys to have to work. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he was trying to throw his best every round, but he just ha he put it together at the right time. Well, that that mean was just out of out of. I mean, it's 20, crazy. 20, right? 22 Tactical. by Wallace, and then 20. Oh my God, 22 90 by Ryan. Oh. You get. I mean, you throw 22 58. What? And you get fourth. You don't even get yeah. for that. Fourth record. <laughs> The only the only other competition like that you can imagine is 1988 Olympics. Is that also okay? In, if you take, I mean, obviously distances are yeah. crazy, but I'm saying in terms of the co the competitiveness of it. Oh yeah. Uh, 88 was like that, like Timmerman, yeah. Barnes, Gunther. These guys are going. So many guys were like, and we could have got medals, mm -hmm. and they were just fighting, and then you know, and then Barnes gets a throw off, and then Timmerman answered it. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it was at a level where it was at Olympic. Olympic record level. Now, yeah. you know, now forward to 2020. Now the 20, you know, the 
they were they were 2019. I'm sorry. Um, they're fighting, but for for Wall Street, I actually had to break the world record, pretty much. You know what? It, what was? I mean, everything about that competition is incredible. Right? I was I was jumping up and down like this is the best movie I've ever seen in my life. Yes, it's incredible. So right? much you make a movie about it. Yeah. What struck me the most also, we're talking about it's October. It's October. These guys, well, I'm talking about peaking. These guys have been throwing indoor, outdoor, May, like all these Diamond League meets, right? Uh, Romani goes to uh, the, the Diamond League in U.S. Like 260, right? Like, and this is like three months before. Like, how, do you, how do you stay in shape that long? I think, I think the, the idea has become that, you, you know, you're going, they're going away from – somebody wrote an article many years ago, like about maybe in two, 2000 maybe or 99 or something like that. That periodization is dead. Okay. It was in a scientific article, uh, a scientific journal article. So periodization is dead. Mm. Mm. And the backlash was incredible. Oh, why yeah. would you say that? This is crazy. <laughs> but the, the idea of that guy was that the sports, all sports, the, mm. the, the seasons are not seasons anymore. You know, if you're if you're a track athlete, your season could be six months long, ten months long. If mm-hmm. you're a professional athlete, the season it's not like it's getting longer. The, there's more championships spread out different places and things like that. So the traditional kind of the what sort of the bumpa those guys the mentality for precision like strength phase, power phase, da 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 phase, something else. Strength, you know, and then uh, you go into the season, a very set season. Right. If I have a, if I have like a, a set, comp, I know like my season is from April to May or end of May, two two months. This is my season. It's always two months. Yeah. I can prepare in this manner. Step one, do 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 do, do like that. Um, but what if my season is you know May, June, August, November, something else? And I don't want next year. I can't do this because I don't have enough time. Yeah. yeah. And if I shorten the blocks to fit into these little little slots what happens is i can't fit it you know what i'm saying so what i gotta do is i have to always contain some kind of preparation of the sport event event itself into my training so if, if you're a hammer thrower or a shot putter or somebody else you have to have this training in there built in you know what i'm saying so do you think only athletes who are already at that level can afford that right so obviously there's a there's a path that you gotta go get better right and during, the, during that getting better, you do have to be a little bit overtrained, quote-unquote overtrained, right? Like you have to push yourself to, to the soreness so your, your muscle can build, right? You need that soreness so muscle can build. So, so do you think there's only for periodization is that for only already prepared? Or, or I think in the beginning, like so developmental stages, in the beginning stage, like a young athlete, someone like that, they're not going to be in that environment. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to adapt to your environment. So in the beginning stages, you have to do this stuff, changing the physiological change. When you when you're training somebody in the beginning to build up the training mm-hmm. reserve, the beginning it's physical. Yeah, yeah. Physical yeah. development. Obviously, Train, 120 kilos and two two forty is not the same thing, right? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> no. It's <laughs> McKay's first workout as a freshman was 110 kilos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last one before NCA was two five hundred something. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right? It's not the same <laughs> exactly. at all. Number one. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like uh, so it, it, it's sort of like First, physical development is easy. You work hard, get sore, recover, work all of that. The, the, the training works really well with that. You get a little bit better, now t- the, the, the speed of the movement goes up. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. When the speeds are lower, right? It's like if you have a lower speed, right? 
Yeah. The intensity is lower of the exercise, so you can do more things. Yeah. The, the, the power speed on your goes body up. is less. Yeah. The stress stress on your body is less. Yeah, it goes up. The more the more speed, and when you start getting to a speed where you're like almost at the world record, it becomes more like yeah, you have to prepare for it, but you already know how you're gonna prepare for it, right? I have a library of them. I mean, I've done it for five, ten, twenty, whatever years. There's a library of things that this works, this works, this works. So I don't need to mess around with anything else. I know this A, B, and C is gonna work for this period of time. Yeah. Maybe I change it a little bit to to don't get too adapted, right? A little bit changes here and there just to keep it. But the general, the pattern, you know what it is. So as long as I know what the pattern is, I can fit that into my training year as I go along. And as, as more experience and maturity, are they going to be able to do that? So you can do it. I mean, it's different training philosophical, like training methodologies, not philosophy, methodologies, you know, like a block training, uh, classic periodization, et cetera. There's a lot of different ways to do it. It's just, you got to find the fit that works for you is it going to fit in what you want to do? You know, if, if, if I'm a, you know, uh, I don't know if I'm from somewhere where I don't, I'm not going to go to diamond league, for example, I can give all of that up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. It changes, it changes practice, changing your preparation completely. Yeah. Depending but it, you know, if I have to, if I have to do these meets, I have to go to you know this place, another place, another place, then, then I have to project that into my training. And you have to go to school. You have finals. Yeah, well, that's student, college student, right? <laughs> if you're going to school, yeah, you have some serious things to take care of. Yeah, right? well, if you're a student at the university, then you gotta, then you gotta really. That's a different consideration, right? Not so much that the competitions. We know what the competitions are, but if somebody's studying chemistry or, or they're studying engineering or something or architecture, business, something, they're gonna be spending time in classroom. So, I can't have this kind of volumetric training. Six hours, four hours, obviously NCAs, four hours training, whatever. Um, I can't do that because that kid is not going to be able to go. Not they're ineligible, then doesn't. <laughs> it's not a good idea. So you have to be very strategic about what you're trying to do and how you I, want to do I it. Love, I love that you just said that. I think a lot of parents who will be watching this and high school coaches will really appreciate this. I don't. I don't think there's there's anything uh, more more uh, that you want to know than how your coach the kid. Where are your kids gonna go? Like how the coach is looking at your at your kid as a whole person, right? So you're right. looking at these kids, not just okay, we gotta throw, but well, you gotta study. You you have to take care of your you know, your academics first, and then by that we're gonna mold your practice. I think that's a very point that you just uh, mentioned. And yeah, what do you so what do you like to do uh, for these parents that are watching? How when the kids what how, when the kid comes to school? Uh, in terms of training, how do you make your practices, right? So, so obviously, in so you were talking usually about how we, you can make the volume, right? What right. are you for, and how are you gonna, you know, how do you sit down with athletes? Like, this is what do you want to study? This is what we're gonna do, or how do you approach? No, it? I, well, basically, what happens is like I, uh, over the course of some time, you know, I've talked to the like, advisor, and I know how much time you need to set aside for study. So that's already built in for everybody. Yeah. Um, I really enforce that. Take advantage of service academic services as much as possible even if you're a four-point student doesn't matter they just go use it don't don't you know and cal is really really good at that they're, they're, they're i think that's kind of where it started actually from some people told me like that's initially the, the they did that because the students that i well the unit in the school is nice you know so they, they that kind of that kind of stuff not all the universities have it but they really they take advantage of stuff so it makes your life easier anyways in general because that makes things easier overall and um, but what, what i do with the training is uh with sit down and talk mainly it's very simple simple ideology like okay I, I need you to this much work is what we need to do to get to where we got to go to mm -hmm. and what i usually do is i i'll 
focus on things that are going to work the, the best. If I know, for example, a hammer thrower, for a hammer thrower, we need to take so many repetitions, about 8,000, 7,000 throws to basically get to a point where you're going to go, right? Mm -hmm. So we're going to organize the, the, the volume. And then when we organize the volume, we, you know, we set it up and say, okay, so I know this much work is going to go here. This much work is going to go to the weight room. And then, okay, so this is the amount of training we're going to do, okay? But what I, tr what I do is I, I really work hard on uh, sustaining the main portions of the training that are the most important parts. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I've done it for years now. Like, I just don't put stuff that I know is not going to work. Yeah. Like, like I was talking about the warm-up thing. I get, you know, like we talked, I think we talked about this a few years ago. Like you're like, oh, well, warm up, what do I do? It doesn't matter because if you go to major championship, yeah. you're warmed up in a stadium somewhere else. Then you have to sit one hour. Then you have to do another thing, two hours. Then you go to stadium. Then you take two warm ups. Then yeah. you got to wait because somebody went in the stadium. Then you got to wait some more because another guy went in the stadium. Then they have a flag ceremony. Then they have a video. Then you're waiting, 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 waiting. Cold, you have to go there through PR. You know, in the stadium. You know what I used to uh, thought? I thought uh, cold room uh, before my English was better. I thought they called it cold room. Like cold. Because no, it's cold room. <laughs> like it makes sense. You cool down. <laughs> this is the cold. Yeah, you just go there. So it's like you got to know how to warm I mean, yeah. you got to really be able to warm up on the spot. And okay. And the other idea is like, you know, practice should be as close as possible to competition environment. Right? Because like if I go to practice and I'm training and everything and, and there's a sense of like, okay, well, we're just practicing and then coaching, 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 practice, practice. You know, like the, this is good for learning. But when I'm going to get ready for NCAA championships, I don't have time to talk in NCAA championships to anybody because, you know, there's two protests going on. There's a guy that's messed up about something else. This guy just threw a PR. Another guy is going crazy. Something else is happening. Yeah. Head coach is texting you. All this stuff is going on. You don't have time to sit there and explain anything. It's like, okay, look, right now you need to throw, uh, I don't know, say, we didn't talk about javelin. Javelin, you need to throw 75 to make final, right? Okay, I'm not going to sit there and explain to you how to run up. You already know. Yeah, 75, increase the intensity, get a bigger block, go. Okay, now what happened? On the phone, something else. You, you know what I mean? There's so many things that are going on at the same time in the in the major championship. So if that guy is going to runway to warm up, you have a 30-minute warm-up, something like that. You better learn learn to warm up in those 30 minutes from zero to ready to compete because you don't have a chance for something else. You know what I'm saying? I love, I love that you take in, that in account already probably in the fall, right? Like you, be, yeah. you begin the training with that ending on, on uh, in your mind, right? Yeah, yeah, we have to because, you know, the time is short. You know, the, 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 the enemy of everybody sport, time, time yeah. right? You start before you know it's finished, you know, and then, okay, did you do your best? So you can't, it's not good to take kind of short, like side avenues and stuff like that. I love that, and I I love that that uh, in your what I can see in your athletes is a lot of a lot of mentality. They bring mentality. They're they're mirroring your mentality. I can see them coming up, and I can see like the confidence that you bring in. And this is something that I saw you do in practice every day, right? Like you you coming up with this plan. You have you set it up in the beginning of the year. And I, it makes so much sense now. When your athletes come to the main meet, they're like, this is what we're going to do. We've, we have been doing this for the whole year. Now yeah. we've got to actually, this is another day, right? I'll it's tell you. Adrenaline, right? Yeah, I'll tell you what. I learned that from my aunt. She, was a, she was, has two PhDs, a research scientist, veterinarian. And wow. 
She just uh, passed away last year. What super smart. When I was a little, when we were little, when we first came to US, we went and stayed with them. And she was studying. Like she was studying some books. I was like, you're a professor. Why are you studying? Yeah. Like it's crazy. Like, you know, 10 o'clock at night, Sunday night studying. Like, studying, yeah. She had like own research lab, scientific grants, you know, all kind of stuff. Like, why are you studying? She's like, I have a lecture tomorrow. Yeah. I was like, was that stuff in the lecture? She's like, no. I'm like, why are you studying? She said, because if I go to university and teach in university, the students that are coming there are going to challenge me to know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Okay? They're gonna, they want to know that I know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. They're going to ask me hard questions, very hard questions. Yeah. Because they were, they were, she was teaching a, a, a PhD program. So yeah. they, they're going to ask really tough questions and everything. And I have to know more than they do because if they ask me a question, I better know the answer about it. Because if I don't know, they're going to lose confidence in me, right? So this is kind of my idea. I learned that from now. I was like, this is crazy. But they didn't kind of go until I started coaching. And then, coach, hey, hey, coach, why, why do I need to turn my right foot? Yeah, yeah. You know, or, or something else. So you better know what you're talking about, right? You better know, know, because the, 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 the sport is very, very, very painful sport. The measuring tape is right there all the time, you know? And I love how much responsibility you take. And this is why John and I, John Newell from tennis, we talked about the other day about five coaches that we were recommend, uh, except our own, right? Schools where we were sent athletes, you were within that five for me, because exactly because of this reason, because you take so much responsibility on yourself. And I think many coaches, and this is me included when I was an athlete, I never thought about this, uh, how coaches can uh, impact my life, not just in throwing, in everything, right? So you take time to learn as much as you can, because you know you have that responsibility to be the best version of yourself, yourself, Right, you have to be that person who they can look, you know, look up to or not. But you have to say, on the end of the day, I did everything that I could to make your life easier and better, right, than it is, and make you better every day. And this is what you do over the years. And I remember, this is in your blood, Mel. I remember <laughs> looking at the video with Don Babbitt, right? This is <laughs> five, and we had we had this uh, his office, right? So it was rare occasion when you were worthy. You will come to this, watch this video. Yeah, the office, yeah, he's got the videos. <laughs> if you're worthy, you will come and watch this inspirational video and, and you know, close the door, you know, lights, a couple of us, right? And Coach Babbitt, and we're like, oh my God, what are we watching? And it was you doing cleans after eight times, seven or eight times. You did yeah, it. yeah, something like that, yeah. And then eight times you did it, and you're like, ah! <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah. This is how bad you need to want it, right? This is how bad you need to want it. Just yeah. And you, I love that you have that, and it, it proves over the years. Uh, that's why I think you're so successful. And I think a lot of uh, parents appreciate this. And, and when they get to know you, this is you. And I, I'll be comfortable, you know, sending my kid to, to somebody like you. Who, Absolutely. I know that you don't, like you said, you don't have, like your aunt, like she doesn't know everything, right? Like she knows so much. She knows so much already, two PhD, but she doesn't know everything. And she wants to make sure that those students, when, when they, you know, push Yeah, it, well, that's the help, idea, right? right? Oh, somebody sends you their, 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 their kid, you know, they're, they're sending him to you. Regardless of what happens, you're responsible because if you weren't recruiting a kid, they wouldn't come to you, you know, yeah. <laughs> obviously. So it's, it's a big responsibility, I think. When I, when I, recruit, when I recruit kids, I'm, I'm pretty forward, like straightforward. Hey, this is what we do. This is how we do it. Some of the stuff you're going to really enjoy and like. Some of the stuff you're going to be like, I, this is ridiculous. I don't want to do it. Some of the stuff you're going to agree with, some of the stuff, you, that, but that's life. You know, it's, it's just a way of part, part of growth and that kind of thing. And, and I try to be very, for, 
very uh, straightforward with all the information so they know what's going on. And when they come and join the team, too, same. I tell them, look, this is good, this is bad, this is up, down, whatever it is. And then so they understand because a lot of times I think uh, we, we tell, you know, kids, oh, I'm, I'm coaching an athlete. It's not just an athlete, it's a person. Mm. You know, they're doing something. There's a human being attached to it, you know, like, not just like, you know, you're not coaching a robot, you know, that kind of thing. So, so it's really important to keep that in mind, you know, because you're using people's children and, yeah. you know, it's very important. You're somebody, you know, it's, it's a, their, their experience, what they're going to learn from you is mm. going to be a lot more uh, applicable to their life than maybe they learn from anybody else because it's the only setting in, in, a, in like in, in, in any, whether it's the U S or anywhere else, it's the only setting where you're working one on like directly one-on-one -on -one with somebody for, for long, long periods of time. For four years, like, five years, and how many? Four or five. You know, and even, you know, so like that, what else do you do in your life that has that, you know? That's no, why it's very important. It's not, it's not for everybody. And I think uh, uh, coaches like you have to get more credit. And I think there's some incredible high school uh, coaches who do a great job that makes our lives so much easier than yeah. their lives to coaching. Someone like Ed Miller, who was my coach at Cal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coaching, right? He doesn't have to coach, but he's bringing that to the athlete, and he make, he's making these kids better people, right? Or he's yeah. trying. He's doing his best, right? Like sometimes you can do so much, right? Yeah. But, but he's giving himself there, and that's so admirable. That's, that's so worthy of, of putting even more attention to those people because they need all the credit. Uh, they don't get enough credit. What I can tell you is that a lot of the coaches that I've talked to, the guys that I look up to, coaches and stuff like that, people that, they, you know, it's funny, most of them hardly ever we talk about coaching stuff. Like, what do you do your training? How many lifts do you do? How many sets of cleans do you do? How many leg curls? It's more, mainly talking about these kind of things. Like, well, this kid, how do you get them better? Like, how do you get them bought into what you're doing? Or how do you, how do you like, motivate your group? Or how do you make a culture? Or that kind of stuff. And that, those are important things. Like, those are the conversations I've had that, that made my coaching more, mm -hmm. uh, I think it was more value. To my coaching was how how do you how do you develop them outside of just the training stuff the training stuff i think is is, is pretty straightforward and and if you pay attention that, that that part is obviously important but that but i mean you talk to the guys that have been experienced a long time you know people that the guys i look up to like don and you know coach Venegas, dr b those guys like that and, and you, they're, they're rarely do you talk about like you know you got to turn your right foot or you got to do this or that it's more like you know, that guy needs to practice more when he comes in, he has to be more disciplined when he comes to practice. Or maybe this guy needs to be more pay attention, pay more attention to such and such or something else or whatever. You know what I mean? Those are some of the things that, uh, that I learned yeah. you know, over time. And this is an important part. I mean, the nuts and bolts of it are, are after a while, you kind of figure out what works and doesn't work. You got to pay attention. But uh, I think with, 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 with another thing is the culture mm -hmm. uh, of, a, of a group. Every group has a culture. Okay. Every group has a culture. Yeah. doesn't matter whether you want or not, they have it. Yeah. And, and the thing is, like, you, you can influence that culture as a coach. I mean, you're not part of it. That's the thing that most coaches don't understand. And yeah. I think the younger coaches, mainly, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm with the guys. It's like, no, you're not with the guys. You're no, a coach. No, 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 you no. may be there with them physically, right. but they have their own universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can influence that universe if you, if you emphasize certain things. If, if, you, if you put value to say, hey, this guy had a great workout today. Man, that's awesome. That's, that's, that's the way to do it or whatever. Or you get to play the music in the weight room or stuff like that where, where you, you, you uh, emphasize certain characteristics that you want to see. You know, like, hey, you know, this girl here in the discus, she was awesome. And she did this, that, this job, good, this, the, you know, she gets to, you know, uh, did the work 
warm up for weight room or something like that, or, or is that kind of thing. So, so you, you, you know, they, they, they feel like they, they get value added to them as a person that that, that characteristic is useful for us. That characteristic leadership, mm-hmm. the leadership is, is part of your, that's what we want to see or something like that. You know, that, that's what you talked about, uh, you know, coaches who influence you, but uh, also the groups that you are with John and I talk about how, you know, you are who you are with, right? So that group of people, that us coaches that we choose to bring in into that group, we can make that group better or we can make it worse if we don't make a good choice of the character. Right? And then we'll help, every, we'll help every kid that we can to the point that we can, right? Like you'll do everything right. to help them, but you don't, not necessarily everybody fits that group, right? Or, or yeah, it's a, it's a kind of, yeah, it's a mentality you have to have. You know, I think a lot of people get enamored with the, if you get enamored with the results, mm. you know, and then, oh, this kid did this, this kid did that. It's like, okay, that's great. But is, are they, maybe they're, doing their thing very well but they might not be good for the other people they may be taking up too much oxygen from other people or something like that you know or, or whatever it is or maybe they're they're kind of you know sometimes sometimes it's good to have some guys that are like kind of mm-hmm. renegades in your group like a rebel yeah it's good to have some of that you know like this, oh that guy's crazy man i don't mess around with him or whatever it's kind of thing it's good to have some of that but you don't want it to be uh disruptive to what you want to do yeah. you know what i mean I, like I you know, agree. you have to have a little bit, you know, you got to have a little, you know, you got to have some spikes and horns on you sometimes, but you don't want it to be to a point where your team is getting disrupted. And, then exactly. and you, don't, you, you don't want the team to get go against each other, right? Like somebody is selfish, you know, like, oh, this is my discus or like, this is my time in the weight room, right? Like, you don't want that. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't wanna, you don't want to have a, the kind of attitude like that, no. But do, do I want to, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I tell the guys, I'm like, hey, new guys coming in to beat you. That's why I brought them. Better work harder. They're gonna come after you. You know. <laughs> oh, I I I love that you just said that. I love that you just said it. I had a couple yeah. past, and that's exactly what we did. Right. This is what I did here. Like, okay. Well, you know, this guy is already squatting this much. I'm just saying, you know, he's your teammate. I'm just saying. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, you know, competition, right? It's a positive pushing. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you gotta know. You know, you gotta keep that kind of like a. Uh, you want to be alpha, right? Like you want to work to to be alpha, right? Yeah, so yeah, it's like uh, I don't know if you know this guy. His name is Jack Walsh. He's a was a GC. He was a CEO, uh, CEO of GE a long time ago. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A book. Uh, leadership books, yes. Yeah, yeah read leader. Yeah, leadership, and he, he was actually a, started out as a uh, chemical engineer. I think he's very famous on that stuff, and yeah. he has a big thing about competi- being competitive, mm. and, and and always trying to go to the front of fighting your way because that's how you, you know, survival, right? I get better. Yeah. That's how but you got to create an environment so they understand it, but everyone has to understand why it's, it needs to be competitive. Yeah. I think a lot of times people feel like, Oh, you're, if it's so competitive, I can't make it. Mm. You know, it's, it's hard. That's the hard part. Right. But the, the thing is that whatever you do in practice or training is not going to be the same. You know, can you imagine the feeling of a, a senior, they go to SA regional meet for example and they're going to be 13th place mm. can you imagine that feeling you know like yeah. it's not good that's tough that's tough you know or, or can you imagine somebody try so hard for something and see career ends they didn't make olympic games for example yeah I mean, lot, it happens a lot more that happens a lot more that, than that, the other way more. you know so if you have the tools to be able to teach them what they need to do maybe that 13th became 12th yeah. Or maybe that guy made the team or whatever, you know, or something like that. But even if they don't, they're going to have a feeling like, hey, you know what? I did everything I could do. Exactly. Exactly. You, you go home knowing that you tried your best and you did everything that you could have at that point. 
and you don't have no regrets. Regrets sting you. They sting yeah, it's forever. painful. You can look back and say, oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. I should have done something. So that's one of the things that, I, that you were asking about meeting with the guys. You know, when I first meet with somebody, we don't really talk about too much about training or technique or what I'm going to do or not do. What I talk about is like, um, I, I just basically say like, you know, we're going to do everything possible. Mm -hmm. Obviously, yeah. the rules and everything, right? Everything that we can maximize, whatever we can maximize. So whenever the time comes or you take your shoes off, you know, tradition, like wrestling, when they retire, they take the shoes and leave it in the, in the, in the circle and they leave. I say, when, when you leave your shoes in the circle yeah. and leave, you got to leave saying, you know what? There was nothing I could do to throw for them. I, I did everything. I maximized everything. So when you leave, you feel like, okay, I'm at peace with it. You know what I mean? And that's, that's, a, that's a career worth having. And that's, that's everything in life, right? Like you're, yeah. I think uh, well, we, well, usually athletes don't, I, at least I wasn't, appreciating of the process that I went through in training, right? It teaches you for life. Right? It teaches you life habits, like winning and losing, uh, making those uh, discipline, right? Having discipline to do things. It just uh, goes on because you're an athlete for so long, right? Like you can throw X number of years, it's not 50, right? <laughs> you can be yeah, no. if you're the best person out there, maybe 15, 20 years, let's say 20, but you're still living 40, 50 years after that. What are you doing then, right? Like your life does not stop with athletics. And I think that's yeah. a very important lesson that you learn. Well, learning. you learn, yeah. You got to learn how to, you know, you got to learn how to be competitive and you got to learn, you got to learn how to be able to be able to improvise and be able to be flexible on it. You know, I think a lot of, and that's one thing I will say uh, in terms of development is uh, understanding what needs to get done. Like you were asking in the beginning, like what, I'm more interested, how did you, the why, why did you do these things? And how did you think about coming about doing it, the procedures of it? Yeah. If you understand that, you can apply that to, you know, the work, to life, to whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to be a CEO. I mean, after you finish throwing, you want to go be a CEO of a company. Well, what, how, what do I do to be that? It's a competition. You know, there's other guys that want to be there too, or girls or whatever. They want to be there. How am I going to be better than them? Many more, right? Many more. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, it's, it's a bigger competition. So so the, the, those are the things I look at. I think it kind of leads to like a lot of, you know, we talked a lot of stuff, not about training too much, but with, with training, I, th I see a lot of coaches, they're looking for a direct answer. Yeah. Right. Hey, how come your guy threw this many meters? Yeah. yeah. Ask him. I didn't do it. <laughs> you know, I didn't throw that. He did it. Yeah. Right. But what, what did you guys do? I said, well, you know, we lifted, we threw, we did this, we did that. We use a 20-pound shot. We use a 10-kilo shot. Oh, my God. Why did you use a tank too much? Okay, well, okay, so you already didn't want to listen. You know, I think a lot of times this is what happens. But uh, sometimes another person will say, oh, how come you don't do, like, more weight room? Uh, how much more weight room do I need to do? Like, I have guys you know, push over 500. Girls squatting, box squat 600 pounds. And she doesn't weigh 200 pounds. Like, how much more do I need in the weight room? You know, like – so those are the things, you know, like I think a lot of people are looking for some kind of a, a specific, hey, I have a kid that doesn't turn his foot in a disc and a hammer throw. And the, somebody asked me this question, actually, I remember somewhere somebody wrote an email asking, hey, my, my, shot, my hammer throw doesn't turn his foot. And I, I wrote it back, did you look at the hammer? And he wrote me back, I, I don't care about the hammer. I was like, well, is he, is he throwing his foot or his hammer? After, no email. You know, I was like, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> pay attention you know so yeah. anyways no no that's that's, that's so much uh, you, you spill so much knowledge right here uh, i want to ask you just a couple more things uh, and then we can uh, see if we can go live for instagram yeah let's do it
Yeah. Uh, what is uh, what is in, in terms of techniques? So you're talking about that position, right? Torre talked about how he, with Koji, right? There's some, biomechanically some things made more sense biomechanically, but when they tried to do it, it wouldn't go as far, right? So is is that what you're talking about? What's yeah. The so there's things like it, 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 it with Koji. I I was with him a couple of weeks actually before I even got the job at Cali. He, he came to hang out with him. Yeah, you brought me here three three weeks. He used to come up to Flagstaff a lot and throw up there and everything. Yeah. We used to talk a lot. Like we would go to Denny's. I remember in Flagstaff across the street from the hotel. I'd sit there and talk like three hours, four yeah. hours. And get a, <laughs> he liked he liked to go there because he was like I don't know why he liked to go there. Actually, I never figured out. You know, he used to go there and talk like a long time about the. He was very big on harmonious movement okay. and harmonious feeling of the implement. This is, it, it's a long story. You can talk two days about it. Yeah. But he, he he's like, you know, there's some technical things that we, I, I can do. I, I, there's other stuff I can't do. Mm. Not, not necessarily it's because of phys, physical. Physically, you could do whatever he wanted to do, by the way. You know, he could cold <laughs> lift a lot of <laughs> do some crazy stuff. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but, but there was there was things that he could do. I think it was more of an understanding type of a situation. Where he had a, he, if he fit, if it, if it fit in his sphere of understanding, he could do it. If it didn't fit in there, he couldn't do it. So, very simplified, obviously. Okay. My observation of it. Yeah. So, so what you touched on that, there's some things, so what you're saying, there's some things that you should do, like uh, in terms of technique, but you can't, right? Like, oh, your body, you're not strong enough to do that. So, you're or, basically tapping. Yeah, maybe flexible, strong. But there's actually what it should be is there's things that have to happen. Okay, okay, okay. There's some things that if it doesn't happen. Yeah, like we're talking about two, two feet right on the ground. That's like, that's a must. Like there's no. Yeah, yeah. if, if that, and how, how, however way you're doing it to make that happen, that's up to you, but that needs to happen. Yeah. yeah. Like in an entry in a discus. Mm -hmm. we're, we're in a, I remember we were talking, remember in a, in Flagstaff, we're in, a, in this Mexican restaurant and this yeah, driver was like, like this and it was icy. We're like, <laughs> remember that? We're talking about entry. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care. You can bring 500 discus throwers that throws far. You look at an entry, there's some things they all have to have to be on the left side. Mm -hmm. There's like very important things that you have to be over it. You have to be down there. And like, there's things that if that doesn't happen, throw doesn't go far. Yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. now how, like, you know, I don't know. So Wilkins does it one way. Paul does another way. Yeah. have another way. Uh, Harding one way. Esa another way. Uh, this new guy is coming. From Sweden, another way, but they all do. They somehow they get to this place on their left leg, yeah. And the left leg is going, oh, and yeah. then they follow it in. All of them do that. Mm -hmm. uh, now, how do they get there? It's their own coach and own yeah, system, yeah. whatever. And it's their signature, right? Like it's like everybody has their yeah. own signature. Yeah. And, and the purpose is the same, right? To make your write your name. How you do it is very different. But your signature always has your name in it. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah, it's yeah. your signature as there's certain characteristics that has to happen, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So that's that's more important. Like how you know and I think as people get too wrapped up, they you know, uh it kinda was a in ninety nineties, uh Sadiq was coming to the US and doing clinics, hammer throwing clinics. Yeah. And the guys were telling him, Oh, you know, I saw you landed like this and your foot was this way and your leg was that way and this and that and landing like facing here, facing there. And then when he would demonstrate his turns, it didn't look anything like that. Yeah, this okay. is what I'm trying to do. Right? They're like, but you I, I I'm sorry. And then people thought he was lying about it. But 
he's like talking about, he's like, no, I'm not trying to drop. I'm not trying to do this. I'm throwing 86 meters. Yeah, I want to get thrown around. The ball's moving. It's not standing still where you can do, you know, things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and like those kind of things that I've heard, like, uh, it's not like Delazny talking about javelin. Like, oh, I, I do this, this, this. It's like, I look like that. I'm throwing. It's moving 90 meters. Yeah. It's going to look something, you know, like mm-hmm. your arm went too soon or some, I don't know. There was one European athletic, he was talking and somebody mentioned, oh, you're, you're saying that the, 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 the hip is going, but when you watch a video, then you show that your arm, it's like, that's a world record throw. Yeah. yeah. Then you stop talking. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> what else? Yeah. What else are we going to talk about? Right. You know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's kind of like, you know, there's some peculiarities, but there's things that all of them happen. You know, like, so there's the yeah, bases, and then you know, a good coach has to look into that. That every thrower has its own writing, right? It's the, the, the different strengths, different weaknesses, different uh, things that you utilize. So that's that's very important. Um, so yeah, good. Pretty much not even the next step, but the concurrent step, I would say, mm-hmm. probably a little bit ahead of the result one is almost is the academic performance. Okay. Are they academically viable for us? You know, have to have excellent grades, have good test scores, be able to follow a good system of education. Mm-hmm. Um, are they able to withstand the academic rigors of Cal okay. and, and be in their school here? So those are the two things I look at. The next one, I guess the next stage is how are they developing? You know, somebody, I want to see a developmental arc going upwards. Okay. You know, if somebody has the same result one after another, after another, after another, that's kind of like maybe they, they're, they're not developing mm-hmm. so much, but I want to see his uptrend. You know, okay. sophomore, junior, senior is going up. Someone like that—that's their developmental curve. That's another mm-hmm. thing I look at. And then, uh, as I said, the result in major championships. How well did you do in your state meet? Mm-hmm. How well did you do in your conference or re- league or whatever? How well did mm-hmm. you go to a? Did you get a chance to go to a national meet? Did you? Comp- how well did you compete at the national? Meet? Mm-hmm. So those are the things that I look at. Now, if you didn't get a chance to go, I'm not going to knock the kid for it. Uh, it can't afford to spend two thousand dollars on plane tickets to go to a new balance or something like that. I'm not gonna yeah. well, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not doing that. But the local area, what did you do? Because most of the kids are gonna be in the local area, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in their own local area and that kind of thing. I mean, yeah. so that's pretty much what we look at. Okay. And then uh, when it comes to uh, uh, when it comes to your training philosophy, right? So what what are some things what's uh, what uh, what i have been asked a lot by by high school athletes i'm sure uh, you as well when we recruit them what is a day like at cal right in terms of training what's a typical training day so typical training day what i what, or i guess the training methodology we use i i, I don't like to use philosophy too much because philosophy is weird <laughs> you know, yeah, it's not yeah, going yeah. under a tree and looking for apples to fall on your head or something else. <laughs> but uh um uh in terms of what we do all right, and a, and a training day is very, very straightforward, all right? All days when you start training, throwing is always done first. We throw, okay. we have a little bit of rest, then we go to secondary exercise, special exercise, whatever that is, like mm-hmm. jumping, running, some kettlebell, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and then we'll go in the weight room. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in the fall, so we have some challenges. One of the, one of the challenges is that in the fall, our stadium is used by soccer. Okay. So Edward, Edward Stadium in Berkeley was, was actually the first, Track and field stadium in the United States. Yeah, it's yep. an old build. It's old. Nineteen oh four, something like that. Nineteen oh uh, something. No, right? ni- yeah, nineteen twenty something. Yeah, twenty. Okay. Wow. For a long time. So, so, so we can't use the field for throws. So we have to go to Ri- Richmond Field Station, which is about fifteen minutes away. Okay. Uh, okay. Facility, and it's a research facility. They have a field there, but it's you know this, the world's like I think it's the world's largest 
paper suppository meaning uh, library in the world yeah, for the UC yeah. system. They have research labs for autonomous vehicles and drones mm. and engineers and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> Jet engines, all kind of crazy stuff out there. Yeah. So we go out there in the fall, usually we do it in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. We go out there for approximately about two and a half hours or so for training and everything. Yeah. And then come back in and we go in the weight room. Um, usually uh, our training sessions after the soccer ends, we come back to the stadium and I divide it up by events. So mm -hmm. hammer throws in the morning because if you have the stadium, we can do stuff. In general, also hammer throw competitions in the United States are in the morning, so might as well get used to it. Okay. We talked about that a little bit. You got to be used to what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, if I if I train you at six o'clock every day in the afternoon, and then I say, Martin, tomorrow we're gonna go throw discus in San Diego, ten o'clock. Yeah, that doesn't feel so good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. I try to keep it as close to reality as possible. So we yeah. hammer in the morning, then javelin usually mid afternoon, and then shot put and discus at the end, mm -hmm. and then. And then the guys come and the ladies come in different groups and then once they do their training uh, they go away and study because obviously Brooklyn's got a lot of stuff going on so we manage that yeah, and then yeah. we all get back together again in the weight room which is around five o'clock in the afternoon okay okay so that's that's a typical day what do you like to see in the email how do you like athletes to reach you and what's the format and where okay so you can email me i'm a berkeley.edu address it's m satara which is m s a a t a r a at berkeley.edu so you can email me there you can find me on the social media instagram facebook i i'm on twitter i just look at things I, we could do that there i guess too I mean, it's not too much um uh but uh yeah send me information and questions whatever usually as long as it's within nca rules i'm more than happy to help out uh what I like to see in an email is basically just the, your general information, specific information, general to specific, right? You know, your age, height, weight, that kind of stuff, abilities. Um, and I, I like to see some of the, some of that information. I like to see your throwing information. How much do you have a coach? Do you not have a coach? What have you done? You know, just the basic stuff like that. And then uh, academic, obviously very important academic information. That's very critical for us. Uh, if they send me information, academic information, it should always be in PDF. Okay. So don't scan like a screenshot or something like that. Your test scores, those kind of things should be PDFs, you know, that kind of stuff for, for uh, administrative purposes. They, that's what they want to see. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, things that I like to see is some idea about what they're doing. Things, I guess, in terms of like people to email me, hey, I want a scholarship. And that's it. <laughs> I'm like I don't know who you are, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I want a scholarship too, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I think it's uh, be more specific than that. Yeah. Be more specific what you want to do, how you want to do it, and stuff like that. So, oh. be Coach good. Mo, this was amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Really? You put so much knowledge out there. This is going to be very helpful. I wish when I was going through the recruiting system. Uh, the whole process, right? I had uh, uh, information like this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people. Me too. Especially <laughs> <laughs> even learn, right? <laughs> what's the D one? What's D two? Right? Yeah, I don't know what that is. It's just something. What are people are throwing things. I don't know what's going on. You know, so okay. But I really appreciate Martin. Hey, it's always nice to follow you guys, especially you're doing such amazing work. Thank you very much for inviting me. You guys keep, keep stay healthy and keep the keep it going. Okay. Thank you, Coach, so much. Likewise, and I hope to talk to you soon again. Thank you. Thank you. Same here. Take care. Yeah. All right, guys, that was Coach Mosatara. Hope it gave you a good sense of his vast experience and insights into his coaching philosophy. Throwing world will definitely benefit from more people like him. 
If you like this podcast, please take a moment to review us and see you in the next episode.